0: Let us pray. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten Son to take upon our nature and to be born of a pure virgin. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening and Merry Christmas. Thank you for your presence uh, tonight as we celebrate with friends and family the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, This this evening at 5 o'clock, we had a full house. We had a wonderful worship service, and we had many, many children. It's amazing. It sounds different this evening um, as opposed to the 5 o'clock. It's actually a little more subdued. Um, I could actually hear things. (laughs) It was actually beautiful. It was lovely uh, being with uh, so many children. Uh, One of the readings for um, uh, this holy night is from Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm actually going to be reading from that, and it's chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's difficult to hear these words from Isaiah in today's dangerous and chaotic world without thinking, Yes, may your justice and righteousness come in our world today for peace to have no end. That's what we would like as our Christmas present. All our debts gone, all the hard and um, uh, uncompensated labor rewarded, all the wars ceased and soldiers to come home, human trafficking ended, Sexual harassment stopped, broken relationships restored, sickness and diseases healed, and the list goes on and on. In our gospel this evening from Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, it says, and suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven. So just like the angels suddenly came and then faded away into heaven, it's easy for this vision of justice, righteousness, and peace to fade away. So we go back to thinking of Christianity as a private religion, as a once or twice a year thing, but not much use when it comes to the real problems that we face in the real world. So we come this evening in the darkness to experience the flickering light of hope, the Christ child born to be the Savior of the world, to bring light, salvation, transformation, righteousness, justice, peace, and hope. And in the back of our mind, we hear our politicians reassuring us that all is fine. And with a sinking heart, we wonder if anything will ever change as the blind lead the blind. And it seems like both sides end up in the ditch. We shouldn't be so content to read Isaiah 9 at Christmas and forget about it the rest of the year. In the midst of so much devastation that we find around us, we wonder, how can we turn the things that we are hearing from Scripture into action? What do we have to say at Christmas or any other time to the rulers and politicians of this world? Well, we probably didn't come here this evening expecting to hear anything about politics and empires and governments and rulers and authorities and money and wars. Maybe we only expected to hear lovely things that would make us feel good inside, warm fuzzy things, chestnuts roasting on an open fire and jingle bells and dreaming of a white Christmas. Well, we do have rain, but it's not white. But to be honest, that is the trouble with how we have treated Christmas for so many years. We have removed from the narrative presidents and prime ministers and queens and kings and dictators and emperors and all the world leaders and politicians and we missed the point of the angels. The Christmas story, like Isaiah's prophecy, isn't about an escape from, a, from the real world of politics and money, of empires and taxes and bloodthirsty wars. It is about God addressing these problems at last from within, coming into this world, His world, and shouldering the burden of authority, like the passage says. Coming to deal with the problems of evil, of chaos and violence and oppression in all of their horrible forms. And only when we look hard at those promises and come to grips with what they really mean are we able to grasp the real comfort and joy that Christmas does truly provide. Otherwise, we are believing in a self-serving, fake, private comfort at the cost of allowing the rest of the world to continue in its oppression, brokenness, and misery. We see this clearly in Luke's gospel reading this evening of the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke takes the trouble to tell us about the Roman emperor Augustus and his desire to take a census of more or less the whole known world. Do we really think this is irrelevant background information to spice up the story? Empires and censuses and taxes were hot topics in the Middle East in the first century. And when we have a census, we just fill in the boring form and send it off because they're going to tax us anyway. However, every time they had a census, there were riots and people were killed. Censuses at the time raised the dangerous questions of, of who runs the world and how it runs and who profits by it, who gets crushed in the process, and above all, when is it going to change? And what should we be doing about it? So Luke has placed his story of Jesus' birth and the angel's song within this everyday story of Roman oppression because he wants us to know that Jesus' birth is not an invitation to a private religion into which we can escape and we can feel warm and cozy. It is a summons to all of us as it was to the first followers, to sign on under his authority. To celebrate the birth of the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and to work under that authority for the growth of his promised kingdom of endless peace, of justice and righteousness. And sadly, we have done a very bad job of it all, and it's time that we get back on track. Maybe we think it has always been this way. The politicians have always got it wrong. The church has always been confused. But you know what? Not necessarily. World leaders and Christians have made horrible mistakes. All we have to do is just read the current headlines or just look back over the last year or the last few years or the last decade and we can see a lot of failure within the church. A lot of people messing things up. Priests, bishops... You know, on and on and on, really blowing things, messing them up. However, there have been times in history where God has moved on people's hearts to confront evil, oppression, injustice, wars, etc. Now, I would like to only mention two, though there are many what about william wilberforce and his colleagues who in 1787 worked for 20 years to present bill after bill to parliament to stop slave trade only to see them thrown out until At last, he succeeded in 1807. And not only that, he went on tirelessly for 26 more years to outlaw not only slave trade, but slavery itself, until 1833 as he lie on his deathbed, Parliament passed the bill, which got rid of it once and for all. My friends, it can be done. I mean, what about Martin Luther King Jr.? It can easily cost us our own lives, and for many people, it did, and it does. It still does today. But by prayer and faith and hard work, we can take the gospel forwards into the real world. It always is costly. It's always inconvenience. It's always tiring and always takes everything that we have. This is what it looks like when the song of the angels is heard and obeyed. When the power of world leaders are challenged and confronted. When the Prince of Peace is celebrated and proclaimed and embodied and lived in the middle of it all. When people like you and I, when we hear the words that the angels, the song that the angels sang, Glory to God in the Highest. It was sung once and now it's for us to hear and to sing ourselves the way that we live our lives so it influences the world. There became a belief uh, driven by self-interested interest ideologies that are still firmly running the western world that the gospel of Jesus Christ was not about emperors and angels but about a private spirituality. The belief that All we have to do is say a prayer so we can get go to heaven when we die. The promise of an escape hatch out of this world altogether. And if we think that religion or spirituality or the gospel is about going to heaven and not about heaven coming to earth, we have it twisted to say it nicely or a completely wrong, to be honest, understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Liberal Christianity has wrongly replaced the gospel with social action, like for just one example among many providing mosquito nets to third world countries. Nevertheless, if our understanding of the gospel doesn't include mosquito nets, we also have a skewed understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that you're understanding what I'm trying to get across here. We can't replace the gospel with social action. But if we have an understanding of the gospel that doesn't include social action, then we have, a, we have a, a misunderstanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. The angels announce that heaven is taking over the running of the earth. And if it doesn't, we have a consumeristic understanding of the gospel with some nice services from time to time. With possibly some cheesy music for an escapist spirituality that leaves the empires of the world free to do anything that they want to do. And with that, Luke's story and Isaiah's prophecy have been weakened and made powerless. It is time Christmas returned to the scriptures and are believed and followed, and world leaders and angels. It's promise of real justice and peace and for us to sign on under His authority, under King Jesus. And we are His kingdom subjects so that we follow the ways of the King. And we live as kingdom subjects. The way God's justice and peace comes is through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. His life, death, and resurrection. The power of the Holy Spirit. The transforming power of the gospel and as his followers joyfully and powerfully live it out. We are to incarnate this good news. We are to embody this good news. We are to be good news for this world. And when we speak about injustice and unrighteousness and work against peace, and the work against peace, people will tell us to just shut up and concentrate on saving souls for heaven. God help us. Christmas is about God acting in the real world and people who go into the real world and make a difference by living out the kingdom gospel. So where can we start? We can't all be Wilberforces and and Martin Luther King Juniors, And we all can't run campaigns and lead great reforms, but some of us can. But we can all pray, we can all watch, we can all listen, we can all act, we can all love well. And we can, in fact, inhabit Luke's story of Jesus' birth right where we are, right where we work, live, and play. So we can all pray and worship before the Christ child, trusting that his kingdom of peace and justice will come to birth within us and through us. And we can watch how the Augustus Caesars of our day and the powers that run the world are crushing the little people on our streets, in our city, in our hospitals, and nursing homes, in our prisons, and on and on. And we can listen for the song of the angels. It will come in surprising ways as it always does. So if Christians lose their prophetic voice and witness through lifestyle, we are in serious trouble and we cease being Christian. And the answer is certainly not to accommodate or bow to the ways, teachings, and morals of this world. We live by a different king. We live by a different kingdom. So God doesn't call everybody in the same way, but if we are learning to live and love like Jesus and love and worship the Christ child, We will find our eyes gradually being open to what the powers of the world are up to. And our ears will gradually become tuned to the particular song that God's angels are trying to sing to us and more dangerously through us. And we will be invited to live our lives under His authority as He is our King. And we will ask for His kingdom to come in and through us And we will find our calling, maybe in a soup kitchen or a homeless or domestic abuse shelter or a crisis pregnancy center or in our workplace, organizing prayer vigils, running websites to raise awareness of some key issues, writing letters and making phone calls to our politicians. And the list goes on and on. Every great work begins with little steps. And usually it continues with little steps too. One day at a time. I encourage you as the people of God to go for it. Make a difference. Live the gospel. Change the world. Dorothy Day said, I'm so glad that Jesus was born in a stable because my soul is so much like a stable. It is poor and in unsatisfactory condition because of guilt, falsehoods, inadequacies, and sin." Yet I believe that if Jesus can be born in a stable, maybe he can also be born in me. God's baby lay in a feed trough, a dingy stall, an unsophisticated receptacle that large animals drooled in and pooped on and that rats visited nightly, leaving their droppings. The Son of God so emptied himself out of his deity and power and sheer dignity that he allowed himself to be not only squeezed out of a human body in a dark corner of a stable, but wrapped in rags and laid him probably on a wad of hay for safety's sake to keep him from being rolled over on. in the least hygienic of newborn cradles, a dirty feed trough few people these days would even want to touch. It is just like God to be born in this context, in this real world, to be like us, to save us from ourselves and to save us from our sin in order to allow Him and His ways to see heaven, His kingdom, come to earth to make all things new. I invite you today to surrender your lives, all of our lives, to yield ourselves. Ask Him to forgive us to be our Lord, our Savior, and King. If you have not given your heart and your life to Christ, may this be the day, the night, this holy night, to give yourself to Jesus. And if you've drifted away from God, maybe a prodigal, he's on the porch and he's looking for you. And when he sees you coming at a distance, he will run to you. He will wrap his arms around you. He'll cry with joy and kiss you. He'll welcome you home. We welcome you home. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his kingdom shall be established with justice, righteousness, and peace from this time forth and forevermore. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Dear people of God, here we are on this Christmas Eve. This is the moment. The presents are probably mostly wrapped. The cards are sent. The meat is in the oven or soon will be. The stillness of the night descends upon us in this church. This is the time to hear the message of the angels that God has come to dwell with us in order to offer salvation to all people. Do not neglect to look and to be transformed by this child who is the Savior, Lord, and King. The hopes and fears of all these years are met in him tonight. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.